are listening to the Inside Study Abroad podcast, episode number 31. Welcome to the Inside Study Abroad podcast. I'm your host, Brooke Roberts. In this show, we explore the world of international education and meaningful travel with some fascinating guests, a little friendly debate, and a whole lot of practical advice. Let's get going. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Brooke Roberts. And before I switch it over to today's episode, um, I just wanted to give you a lay of the land and tell you a little bit about what's been going on over at Inside Study Abroad. As you might recall, we have been recording the podcast as live episodes over um, on Crowdcast, which is the platform I use to host most of my webinars and, and live workshops and things like that. And so Sam Cooper and I have been hosting those sessions live with guests, with each other um, for the past, I don't know, month or so. Um, we've been trying to go live about every other week ish we'll say ish there so I'm going to be uploading those recordings to this podcast feed over the next several days to kind of spread it out a little bit but if you ever want to join us live for one of these recordings make sure you're on our email list because that's where we announce most of these well all of these and we also announce them inside the International Education Collective Facebook group and I will link to both of those in the show notes but if you just go to insidestudyabroad.com slash chat um, that should take you to our latest episode coming out um, for the recording sessions. So I hope you can join us there. It's a lot of fun. You can ask questions to our guests, um, us. It's very candid, as you guys are probably very familiar with that style by now. And so it's a lot of fun, and we really like doing them live with everyone. So I hope you can join us there. But again, these will all be uploaded to the podcast feed, so do not worry. If you are more of a YouTube person and you'd rather tune in on YouTube and actually get to see our faces. I am uploading the video to YouTube as well. So if you want to just go to insidestudyabroad.com slash YouTube, that'll take you right to our YouTube channel. You can subscribe and um, see all of our, all of the episodes we've ever done. Some are just video uh, with audio only um, and it's just an image and some actually have the live action humans talking. So whatever you prefer, we got it for you. All right, on to other things. What else is going on? So as you might be aware, we launched the Global Pro Institute again this summer, and um, it has finished up, and it's it was an amazing experience. It was our first time organizing and doing the GPI Plus program, which is GPI, which is the normal program, plus an internship placement in international education. We had an amazing uh, cohort of first interns. Um, I was really surprised most people who signed up for GPI opted into the internship option, which was great. Um, It's also been great just to be reconnecting with other professionals in the field by way of, you know, asking do they want to host an intern and working with them through that process as well and doing some coaching even uh, with people on how to host a virtual intern for us, right? We're talking about virtual interns for undergrads, but how do we actually host interns in our field? So it's been really fascinating. We are um, getting ready to launch the fall cohort very soon. Um, that is, that's going to happen around mid-September. So if you are interested in GPI or know students who might be in, in, uh, potential students who might be interested in GPI, have them go to insidestudyabroad.com slash GPI, and they will be able to learn all about the program and also opt into our wait list. And I like to call it our VIP list. And if they're on that list, they're actually going to be offered an 
a limited time discount on the program for like early bird action taker people. I always like to reward people who take action. So if they get on that early bird list, um, they will be uh, given the opportunity to get a pretty good discount on the program. And yeah, the program's going to start in uh, mid to late September. I can't remember the exact dates and it's going to run for about um, eight weeks and then, and it really depends on, um, internship placements, et cetera, like how long it'll go. Cause it could go up to like 12 weeks. So we're really excited to get that going. It's been a lot of fun. Um, I'm really happy to be back in the saddle, so to speak with GPI, especially having Sam Cooper on board woman. If you're listening to this, I love you. You're amazing. Over to this recent episode that we did back in May, actually, and it was all about reconnecting and rebuilding an in international education. And Sam and I talk a little bit about our story, how we've reconnected, especially when the, uh, the quarantine was, uh, was at its you know peak really in the United States and the UK um, and how we are feeling about the future of international education. So I hope you enjoy this one. Let's go to the show. For those of you who have listened to the podcast over the years, it's been a long time since I've said those magical words. So thank you all <laughs> for being here. Uh, my name is Brooke Roberts. I'm the host of Inside Chat, our new series that we're launching. And I'm also the founder of Inside Study Abroad. So welcome all. Thank you for your patience. We had some tech issues. Uh, Sam Sorry. is in London <laughs> in the evening. And so of course, everybody's like streaming Netflix now. Uh, so I had some internet issues. So Thank you, Sam, for being here and making this happen. Thank you all for being here. I know um, some people have already said hello in the chat, so I'd love to know where you guys are tuning in from. So tell us in the chat uh, where you're at. Um, you can tell us where you work if you're interested in sharing that as well. Um, and I also want to let you guys know, uh, down below the video, you'll see a few tools um, and things you can use. Mm -hmm. So for instance, uh, you can look at the polls section. And I added a few polls in there. It's just some casual questions about uh, how you guys are feeling about the field and any predictions you might have about what's going to happen moving forward. Um, just to love to know your thoughts. And if you have any other thoughts, feel free to share them in the chat. And then also below the video, um, there's a section where you can submit a question. So at the end, we'll take a few minutes to answer any questions that you guys might have for either of us about what we talk about today or just whatever. Um, and yeah, so and of course, you please use the chat to um, engage and discuss. And I think that's all of the housekeeping issues. Uh, so let's let's get started. Um, so I want to lay the groundwork here for everyone and sort of set the stage. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar and are like, never heard of me, never heard of Inside Study Abroad, I um, started Inside Study Abroad back in 2009 while I was running international programs at the University of South Dakota. And it started as this little blog that I started on Blogspot. Uh, raise your hand if anybody remembers Blogspot. And I used that uh, to start it. And um, because when I started in that role, I was new. It was sort of, I always say it was like my, the first time like at the helm of running international programs. And as I, as much experience I as as I had at that time, I was still so new and I still had so many questions. And I found that a lot of the resources and information I needed were all behind paywalls. I don't know if you guys feel that sometimes in international ed. And so I thought, wow, it would be great if there was a resource out there where somebody was talking about the challenges they were facing as a professional in international ed that also wasn't behind 
kind of closed doors. And this is back in 2009. I know there's a lot more resources out there now, but back then there weren't as many. And so I just started writing. Um, and at the time, and if you guys really creep on the back, um, once I get the site relaunched and everything, um, you'll see like my first post was about like where I thought the Harry Potter characters would study abroad <laughs> and, and the challenges they would re re represent to study abroad administrators based on their personalities. I mean, I was so cool, you guys. Um, so, and then I was also, you know, having I what I would like to generously call a battle with the financial aid director at the time about funding for the study abroad programs. And so I wrote quite a bit about uh, funding models and working with financial aid and things like that. So I just, I wanted this resource. And um, so that started back in 2009. It was just a blog and I shared these cool conversations. One thing I wanted to share with you guys is way back in the day, I used to do these video interviews, like before Zoom existed, <laughs> I was doing these video interviews and I posted them on the YouTube, the Inside Study Abroad YouTube channel. Um, and you can see, I'm just going to get back in our window here, um, my interview with this lovely lady back in 2016. So after this, you guys can go creep and watch uh, that video as well. So and my hair was and your hair was straight, yes. <laughs> so um, Inside Ready, Study Abroad has evolved over the years and it's become a professional development platform for aspiring international educators. And we're gonna talk a little bit more about that um, in a second. But for those of you who've been around the block and you know the story a little bit, you'll know that last year, up almost to the day, it was February 14th, 2019, I announced that I was stepping away from Inside Study Abroad, um, closing the doors and moving on to launch a new company, which I did do. Fast forward to now. And um, I, with everything that's been going on in the world um, and all the changes happening to the field and um, international programs in general, it also was an opportunity um, for I think a lot of us to reconnect with long lost friends and colleagues um, in all walks of life, not just uh, in our professional world. And um, one of my reconnections was Sam. Uh, we've been friends for years and we'll talk a little bit about our story in a second and how we know each other, but um, we hadn't really like dive deep with each other and like what's going on in our lives and our work um, until about a couple of months ago. And over the past couple of months, we've almost talked daily. It's been lovely. And, <laughs> um, and we've both been going through our own professional roller coasters and um, really reconnected on this idea of professional development and preparation in international education. And um, I swore I would never, <laughs> never come back to international ed um, with Inside back. Study Abroad. Yeah, and as Sam and I were having some conversations about ideas and, and, and thoughts and innovations we were really excited about for um, international education, um, I was like, you know what? This would be so good in Inside Study Abroad. I was like, you should just, you, know, you should do something like that. And um, at the conversation evolved to be like, hey, I will bring back Inside Study Abroad if, you come on this journey with me. So she is uh, generously volunteering her time during her own, um, I guess, I don't know what we'll call it, <laughs> bridge time, bridge experience, yeah. um, bridge in, experience in your professional life um, to work with me on Inside Study Brown. We have a lot of fun things coming and we'll talk about that later. But I, uh, yeah, so thank you guys for indulging my story and, um, and, and to get caught up on what we're talking about here. And, um, 
logistically what I'm doing and what we, what we want to do moving forward is we want to have these conversations, um, on, on a live like show like this every week. And, um, we want to, uh, basically my goal is to then take these conversations and put them on the podcast. And so moving forward, we'll have other guests and interview guests and people talking about specific topical areas around the field. Um, and I, we're really excited for what it can be. So this is our, this is our demo, I guess, our pilot <laughs> program, if you will. And uh, moving forward, uh, we hope to be doing this every single week. So we hope we will come back and join us live for these conversations. So with all that being said, welcome to the show, everyone. Welcome to the show, Sam. And as I like to start all of these uh, conversations and interviews for Inside Study Abroad, tell us your international education story. Uh, well, it's it's a long one, but I'll try and make it really short. Um, so I, my international ed story actually started like many of us with my own experience studying abroad. So I studied abroad through the University of California, Santa Barbara. Um, I did the education abroad program and I did a year in France and that was the year 1999-2000. And during that time, yes, during that time, I, it was difficult. I found it difficult studying in another culture, learning another language. And the person that helped me the most was the on-site um, coordinator for the program. And I realized I could, I wanted to be her. Now, there's a lot of things we could talk about going to France and wanting to become a French woman, which I also <laughs> wanted to do. But that kind of started my journey. So when I came back, I was a peer advisor in the UC um, EAP office in Santa Barbara. And I've, I've actually stayed in, in higher education ever since then. So I started as a peer advisor. Um, I then moved to London and worked at a university with international students. Um, and I've really spent the last 19 years, that's crazy, working with large universities, small private uh, program providers, um, and both uh, university relations, working on program development, and then coming to London and actually working on the delivery side of programs. So I started um, with exploring my interests on the, in the U.S. on how to advise students and how to create programs and work with faculty. And then uh, five years ago came to London and started working on the actual delivery of the program. So I've seen lots of different pieces of study abroad. Um, mm -hmm. and, and that's my international ed story. I'm still here. I'm still in it. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I know your story well enough to know also that like you kind of glossed over some things. So I'm going to pick, I'm going to cherry pick some topics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the first Fair. thing I would, I would want to talk about a little bit is um, one of the things I find fascinating and also so inspiring about your journey is that um, a lot of people may not know that you actually took what I would call a career break. You did a, your own little gap year from yes. international ed. Um, talk a little bit about that, that experience. What, what was the inspiration for that? What was it like? What did you do, et cetera? Yeah, well, it's, it's interesting because my first, um, I would say big girl, big girl job, um, sort of leading an office and developing something from scratch was um, given to me by Tony Johnson at USA at the time. And I was with USA and I um, created the University Relations Office in Boston. Shout out to people in Boston. Um, and I was there for five years and 
I was young when I took that and I got to a point when I just wanted to do something else or so I thought. And um, I'd always heard about people traveling around the world and I decided to do it. So I was waiting kind of to do it with um, my boyfriend at the time. And when I realized he was not the person I needed to do it with, I decided to do it on my own. Um, so I took 15 months off. Um, I saved a lot of money and I saved all those frequent flyer miles from being a little bit of a road warrior pro tip. Um, <laughs> and I decided to set three goals and use the time. I was going to be at least a year. It ends up being 15 months to kind of explore the world a little bit more and travel. So my three goals were learning Spanish, teaching English. So I got a TEPL certificate and volunteering. And I ended up doing 15 months, um, Central South America, uh, New Zealand, Nepal, China, Europe, Eastern Europe, mm -hmm. and then back. It's crazy Amazing. that I can say it that quickly, but it, it obviously, it lasted a lifetime. And I'm starting yeah. to get those notifications now of, you know, 10 years later and this time like, Oh, that's yeah. what I was doing 10 years ago. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. I, I, uh, personally went on a kind of a similar thing, um, in 2017 to 2019, yes. I just spent about 18 months doing the digital nomad thing. Right. So I was running my company and living in a new country every month. And, um, I, and I'm so happy I did that. I, I, I personally have this philosophy now that I feel like once you've been in the field for like 10 years, right, you probably had your initial experience. We've all had it, uh, yeah. where we got inspired and it had this life changing experience. Um, no, no sarcasm there at all, but truly life changing and which inspired us to be in the field. But I feel like how the world changes, how technology changes, how, um, generations change, I think it would serve us all as professionals <laughs> if we were all forced to take like a yes. three month sabbatical. I know, I don't know who's going to pay for it. Okay. Just, I don't know where the money will come up, but Get I feel like we this. should all yeah. be forced to participate in a meaningful yeah. travel experience, not just our familiarization trips or a conference abroad or something like that. Actually be a participant on the receiving end of an experience. Cause I think it would inform all of us so much more in our, the work we do and how we think about program design and program implementation and delivery um, and how we, you know, even approach, you know, our conversations with students, with young people, I shouldn't always say students, but with young people or new travelers about what they're about to embark on and understand their specific challenges or the things that we think are challenges that may not be challenges to them necessarily. They have a whole different set of challenges. Yeah. I don't know. That's just my my thing I, is like, I feel like it should be a requirement to, to go to the 11th year. You gotta, you gotta take another international experience. I don't think anybody I, would argue with it if they didn't have to pay. <laughs> no, I agree with you. But I, I do think what you're saying is powerful because I've had experiences after that as well, but you know, getting off of a plane in a foreign country in, in some, you know, countries that are more developed or less developed, et cetera, it is still overwhelming. I, I don't care how many years I've been in the field and I talk to students about this, but I always go back to my personal experience of getting off that plane and it's raining and you carrying your bags and the hostel's not open and you can't get in and it, all of these things that you're doing and you don't have the information you need and things like that. And I do think yeah. it helps inform where we're, where students are coming from when they're doing these types of mm -hmm. programs. 100% yeah, I mean, 
Oh my gosh. So, so, so many things, like all these stories just flashed through my eyes. I know, like, exactly. like going from Thailand to even, you know, this is a very modern day scenario. Like going from when I went from, moved from Thailand to Vietnam and I had an international data plan, which a lot of people do some, nowadays and it works except in Vietnam. <laughs> so landing in Vietnam during a typhoon, everything's flooded you know, can't leave the airport, no phone data and just like, okay, now what now, how are we going to navigate this? And even as seasoned travelers, those situations oh, yeah. are still stressful. And, um, you know, like I cried, there were a few times I cried and I'm not going to lie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Crying yeah. is a part of the process. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, okay. So I love that you did that because I feel like, um, well, how was it coming back into the field after that year break? Like, was it easy? I mean, you had all this experience. Uh, was it easy to transition back? Was it challenging? Were you surprised Super. by that? Yeah, it, I was surprised. And I've had these experiences. That was not the last time I had that experience. But after coming back um, and having already worked in the field, had led an office, had gotten some really solid experience, and and I thought at the time, I sort of joked that I was getting my master's in traveling, right? You know, mm -hmm. um, I thought that I had a lot to offer again, you know, to an organization. And it, it, um, it took me a long time to get a job back in the field. And it required that I get a lower level job um, and kind of work my way back up again, um, mm -hmm. which if I'd, if I'd known that at the time, that I was going to do that and get that, I would have been fine with it. But as you're going through it and you're job hunting, it, it is, it can be demoralizing in, in terms of what am I doing? I have so much to offer. You know, why, why can't I get an, an interview? And part of that problem was I did not yet have a master's degree at the time. Controversial topic. Mm. Oh, um, very controversial yes. topic. Yeah. Um, and it, it is, it was difficult. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm going to, say it here, you know, I'm facing a situation with the global pandemic where I'm also uncertain of what my next steps, you know, in the field are going to be. And I, I think it'll be a similar situation, but luckily I've been in this before. And so mm -hmm. you just have to, um, you know, rely on your network and things like that to, mm -hmm. to keep you, to keep you buoyed during these mm -hmm. tr troubling times. <laughs> I, I guess, um, would you mind telling people sort of what your most recent role has been? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So I came to London. So I'm in London, everybody. Hello with the terrible <laughs> internet. Um, so hopefully this is okay. Um, I came to London five years ago um, to return to USA, USA love for those of you out there, um, to, to, to direct their London office. Um, and so was heading up the London office and the placements. So the programs and the placement team, and then, and, um, and, it, and for those who aren't familiar with you, it's an internship uh, program provider in Europe. They do custom internship programs. Yeah. Yes. Apologies. Thank you so much. So USA, <laughs> who I'd worked with before and they're, I'm setting up their university relations office. I returned. Um, and then, um, almost four years ago, I had the opportunity, um, come up with the academic internship council, um, to launch their internship operations in London. Um, and I do like a launch. I do like to get those things going. Um, and so I, um, I've been working with AIC um, Academic Internship Council um, for the past um, three and a half, almost four years, um, basically leading the office, developing things, um, 
placing students in internships and all the professional development and career stuff that goes with that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Um, I feel like uh, you, you know, you are one of the the people uh, in in recent months who has uh, really felt the brunt of of international programs um, being canceled, yes. uh, dealing with um, students needing to return home, plus uh, figuring out if programs were going to continue into the summer, um, as well as just the future of the organization you work for. Yeah. Um, uh, can you talk a little bit about what that's been like more on the like emotional side of, yeah. of your, of your life. And this is my Oprah moment. I'm not trying to make you cry or anything. Barbara, don't Barbara Walters me. Um, (laughs) um, It has been emotional. It's hard. It's hard for everybody. I think the thing, and I mean this, and I truly mean this. I think the thing that has been the most emotional has been the Um, gratitude I feel towards this field of people that I work in. And I really Mm -hmm. do mean that. So it's Mm -hmm. given me an opportunity to reconnect with people like you, for example, um, and really talk about the stuff that I care about in our fields. I volunteer, I'm on the board of um, ASAP, which is a local association of, of study abroad programs here in the UK. And I've had a chance to really reconnect with that organization and offer more of my time to help people that are working in our field do more things. So my overwhelming emotion has has surprisingly been, because I wouldn't call myself necessarily an optimist if I'm being honest, but um, my I have been so grateful for the connections and the community that we have. And I get quite emotional about that in that actually I have a great uh, community of people that I can chat with and talk to and bounce ideas off of and cry with and worry with. Um, but it is emotional. And I think, I think there's a lot of sadness in what people are going through and the fear of canceling programs, the fear of, of getting um, laid off and, for, and things closing. I strangely am feeling super optimistic about what will happen with our fields because we have, we have to change now. And that's so wonderful. I do like a change. I like, I like innovation and it's such a cool opportunity for us to, to change and work. You know, we're, we talk to students about navigating ambiguity, right. And Mm -hmm. going through these times and, and um, becoming resilient. And I think we are all resilient and we're now we're navigating ambiguity ourselves and we know how to do this. It doesn't mean we're every day, all day, we're great at it, but I think it means, you know, we know how to do it. We have the resources to kind of support each other. So um, yeah, emotion wise, I'm doing great. I mean, I'm watching Mm -hmm. a lot of like television. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, um, I feel like if somebody says they're not, they're probably lying. lying, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But I'm also spending a lot of time chatting with people about, you know, the bigger questions, believe it or not, I'm an introvert. I am. And I like, I like deep diving with people about nerdy things about our field. I just do. I always have. Um, And, you know, I spent two hours on um, a call with the board, the ASAP board today, and we were just talking about how can we support members in the field right now? What resources can we do? What types of Mm -hmm. meetings can we have? And I love that. I love that stuff. 
I love that. Um, yeah. So talking about like that hopeful sentiment, that gratitude um, in the polls, I'm just going to pull out here um, the the responses we've gotten so far. If you haven't had a chance to vote yet, click that polls button and tell us what you think. But I said, which sentiment best describes you? I'm scared for the future of international ed. Nobody has selected that. So that's great. I'm nervous Ooh. for the future. Five, uh, 25%. I'm hopeful. 65% and I'm excited mm. for uh, the future, which is about April. Uh, more votes are coming in. Okay. It's still, it's about <laughs> same, same, same. So great. Um, and after the pandemic, I think international education will go back to business as usual. 10% of people um, have said that. Um, some people said uh, international education will completely reinvent program models and program delivery modalities. 91% of people think that. And um, international education, and I also put it on there not to be like a Debbie Downer, but I gave the option. International education <laughs> will decline in participation and relevance, which womp, nobody has selected that. I love that. I love that we're in a room of people who are super excited um, uh, or at least hopeful about what's to come and the idea that um, international education has an opportunity to reimagine, reinvent, re, yeah. re, re, redo um, uh, what, what we are and the value we bring to the world um, and to, to, to students. I think um, it's really interesting because I feel like, you know, for a long time, at least in my career, um, you know, the, the, how the, one of the topics we want to talk about is like how the field has even changed in our, our time in the field. Yeah. We're both pretty young, I think, even though we're not, we're old, but, uh, <laughs> older we're middle, we're middle-aged, uh, in the field, but the, I still feel very young about it. Um, and I, I just feel like the evolution I've seen is that, um, I feel like, you know, just getting people abroad for the, for a while was just, that was the only goal. And then it was mm. diversifying the type of people who went abroad and, and, but also increasing numbers. That was the goal. Um, and, you know, making sure that we were providing this, um, all this logistical support to people to make the experience happen. And I feel like right now we're at an opportunity to really get back to the true value proposition we bring as professionals. Mm. The value proposition isn't that we can book, we can find safe housing or we can book flights. I mean, the advent of all these tools and resources, yeah. you know, young people, like my nephew, he's in college now. I mean, he's booked his own Airbnb before, you know, grabs an Uber. Like these are, these are things he's like, I probably wouldn't need anybody to help me with those things, but where we truly do have the expertise or we should, and where, where we truly do bring value to the experience is creating the meaningfulness of the experience. Absolutely. Cause I think we all can agree that like we could, we could drop two different students in the middle of I don't know, Europe, South America, wherever, and they could navigate the experience themselves and, and travel and have a nice time, right? Yeah. They can make that happen. Um, but what we know are the value adds and the, the outcomes that we can get require academic intervention, cultural interventions, um, programmatic structures that we know are those um, guideposts to getting them to that the other side of, of development that we're aiming for. Um, and we can help make that one happen more maybe smoothly, I don't know, maybe more uh, quickly, uh, who knows. Um, but I just think that's the value we bring. We're not, we're not paper pushers. We're just, we're not task masters who just, 
deal with logistics. Uh, we bring more to the table than that. I think that this is the time where we really can get back to those roots of like what we bring. Mm. Um, and that's what I'm so excited to see about like how we can get more um, creative about the, the, how we deliver a program and what it truly means to provide an intercultural experience, right? With everything we have going on. I always like to tell people this anecdote. Um, I don't know now, maybe back in 2013, four, 12, I can't remember. Whenever CIEE was in Minneapolis, if anybody remembers the year it was in Minneapolis most recently, but I presented um, with a couple of colleagues there and we were talking about how, and this now feels like bazillions of years ago, but um, you know, our presentation was all about how to leverage social media and um, right. social technologies to, um, uh, to, uh, I forgot the way we phrased it, but basically to, um, deliver programs to further the program mission and get to our outcomes. Like how do we harness those technologies as opposed to saying they're all bad and we should never right. touch them. And, uh, it was really fascinating. And we got, we, and it was, I thought it was a great presentation. We got, of course, great, great feedback from the audience. But of course, there was one. There's always that one. If you've presented at a national conference, let me know in the, the chat or any kind of conference. And you, you get all these great feedback. And then there's always the one that will always stick out. And I remember the person, I don't know, male, female, who they were, but they said, um, in my 25 year career, this is the most terrifying workshop I've ever had. And the person went on to describe like how technology and international programs is the devil, basically didn't use those words with that. I'm reading between the lines. And it, for me that <laughs> I feel like the field sometimes has these two different camps, not always mm. split black and white, but there tends to be a camp that is, um, I don't know, just, um, a little, maybe a little more old school, a little more, um, rested in, traditional of what traditional used to look like in terms of how a program is delivered and how students engage on the ground versus other people who are like ready to say, okay, this is our new reality. This is the new normal. How are we going to still deliver these great programs given our, our yeah. current uh, modern situation? I know you've been on the ground now for five years yeah. in the delivery side. What do you think is sort of the future of what programs could look like? Or what do you think is missing? Um, when it comes to uh, how we're going to innovate? I mean, the biggest thing that I see um, is, I don't know how, it's not like groundbreaking, um, <laughs> but we are not, technology is still not used on the ground really at all. Um, the amount of emails we're still sending to reach students, students are not reading emails. Um, the way that we're interacting with students um, with technology that is old and doesn't is not on their phones and is not an app that really bothers me um i'm not saying that to, it just it just bothers me it does <laughs> um i'm not saying that technology so that's a big part for me i think that's one key thing is that um there's so many other industries that are so much further ahead than than international ed with the technology we use to to actually get to the quick of what we're doing. So we can get mm -hmm. all that other stuff out of the way because the truth is there is a big process involved in going abroad with the visas and the applications and the health and safety. But if we mm -hmm. could use technology to get that out of the way and actually connect more efficiently and, and, and impactfully with students, I think that is a good thing. Where is mm -hmm. the study abroad app? 
please tell me where that is, where students um, can get all their program information. They know where the airport is. They know where they're supposed to be. They know where their calendars are. Um, uh, and that's integrated with the other resources that we use. So that's, that's something that I think about often. Um, I think that's why I'm a little bit excited about, um, maybe excited isn't the right word, but with what's happening with the pandemic, I'm not excited about that. Um, yeah. But because we've been forced online, um, and it is forced, um, and yeah, I think we should be honest absolutely. about that. We have been yeah. forced, and it's. I think it, I'm. I'm loving it that we now have this opportunity to just innovate within the online space of how we connect with students, how we're teaching them, and I think we have to answer some big questions, of, especially if we're moving remote and people are offering remote, remote courses or remote internship experiences is we have to articulate the value to students of what what are they gonna get that's different than doing a remote course at home versus something mm -hmm. that is brought to you by another mm -hmm. culture. And I think um, one of the, the things that I'd like to see a little bit more prevalent is this idea of these collaborative online international learning experiences. Um, so mm -hmm. COIL, um, mm -hmm. I think those are things that we should leverage more as a field and we can do now. Um, and also I'm not, I, then, then I have a big question mark. I want to know what other people think is the way to innovate for program mm -hmm. delivery on the ground. Mm -hmm. I would say taking a big step back just from a, um, a program delivery perspective is I wish people had, there was more of a connection between the people on the ground in the U S and what's being delivered overseas for students. Um, so people had a better understanding of um, the resources or lack of resources or the, the issues with students, um, the expectations that students have, because we give them those expectations that we're going to deliver, they're going to have the same experience as their campus um, in the US, and then they're going to come to the UK and realize, but you're not, you're not delivering the same level. No, we're not. It's different for lots of different mm -hmm. reasons. And not, mm -hmm. not same level as in bad or good, but it is different. You're working with mm -hmm. Brits, for example. They teach different. They talk different. They approach you differently. Um, mm -hmm. So I think those are the areas I think we could innovate in. And I would just love to know other people uh, that have mm -hmm. the big ideas that I think we can do now. We can do mm -hmm. these things now. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I'm getting off my soapbox. I love it. I love it all. <laughs> so one of the topics I wanted to talk about um, briefly, and then we're going to kind of move into um, talking a little about kind of what's to come with inside study abroad, um, oh. because it is rising from the the ashes, if you will. That's yeah. horrible. But, uh, so, um, you know, with the rush to move online, right, mm. like uh, turned on its head overnight. This is one of those, I, I've talked to so many people in lots of different industries that obviously have been impacted. But when I tell them the stories of what's happening in international education, I mean, it obviously it's a lot like a lot of travel industries, but yeah. this, this feels so much more broad, broad and it, it, it hits everyone. It doesn't matter what your role is. Um, if you're inbound, outbound research, like all these things are being impacted because if, if the programs don't exist, as we've always known them to exist, then the work that we've done around them then doesn't exist. It's, it's, it's right. eerie. 
Um, but so with this rush to move online, everything from, you know, programs, but also just internally with um, professionally for what we're delivering. Um, obviously, Forum went online. NAFS is doing an online thing. Um, I'm, I'm sure if any regionals are, you know, already thinking about what's happening for the fall, they might be considering, oh, okay, we're moving those to be online. Um, and so obviously for programs, they're people are testing this idea of an online experience, a study abroad experience. Um, what do you think is going to be the lasting changes? Because that's a big reason why I asked that in the polls. Because I I have the, I'm very hopeful mm. for the future, but I'm also a little skeptical. Um, yeah. Part of me feels like because we were forced into this new arena um, of actually engaging with the whole online, remote, virtual, whatever sort of layering on you want to do with it. Um, I, you know, we we're forced in this world. I, part of me like kind of worries that what's going to happen is the, the moment the world is open again, uh, whether it's slowly, gradually, or just, you know, they, the doors flung wide open, um, it'll just be back to, okay, this is how we do programs now. Instead of thinking like, okay, those are some really interesting ways that we prepared students to go abroad um, in a new digital capacity, or we interacted with them, you know, during the program term um, in an online capacity in, in some way. way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. What are your thoughts um, about that? I mean, I'll, it's so interesting because one of the first things I thought as everything moved online was why wasn't I doing regular online check-ins with students no matter what, even when they were on the ground? Um, um, because it's actually a very easy, inexpensive way to keep in contact, you know, from my perspective with interns, they're out working, commuting these long hours in London. So it's easier to just get online and have that quick thing. In terms of lasting impact. I mean, this is what I think is, there's two things that I think are really interesting about this that people have been talking about, and I think we need to get serious about making it last, is accessibility. This is going to open up, it's going to make it more accessible for more people, period. And it should, period. Mm -hmm. I also think climate change. People in the field, we have an impact on the climate. Students and young people are talking about that, and they should be. And we need to get real about why would students want to fly all of these places um, and, and have that negative impact on the environment. And I think those are the things I'm, I think could have a lasting impact in a positive way. I also think there's gonna be programs that just go back to normal as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I still think there's room for that. And in a positive way, I still think there's room mm -hmm. for that. Yeah, absolutely. I don't, I'm, I'm not an advocate for like, okay, so everything in the future needs to be virtual because I think that's also not realistic. Um, but I, I do think that, um, I think from yeah. a business model perspective for some provider companies, they are seeing now that they need to diversify. Um, they had all of their eggs in one type of product basket at the at the end of the day. I mean, you could yeah. call them all different things, but it's like required a human to move from here to here. Um, yeah. And when that is completely erased, you have no business. And, you know, I think a lot of providers are, are feeling that really badly right now. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I do want to sh shift gears and maybe we'll do a two-parter <laughs> on this conversation. <laughs> and and yeah. especially when we bring on more people to this, uh, to the show um, in future weeks, um, uh, this, so many things I have to say <laughs> about these things, but I'm so excited to have you um, coming on board with Inside Study Abroad and sort of being 
being um, the face of Inside Side Abroad in, in so many ways, I, I feel like, um, you know, a big reason I, I needed to step away is because I was starting to get a little disillusioned, I think, with international ed i think when you're in there making the sausage so to speak too long like you can get you can sort of forget like what is this all for like what is the real mission and vision of this and and i think one me going and and reinvesting into my own meaningful international experience again helped me reinvigorate myself for international ed but also taking that time away and what i'm so excited about um having you on board is you know, basically having, you know, a comrade in arms to sort of yeah. go forward with. I feel like a lot of this, you know, over the last several years is just me been like, I guess I'm going to try this thing. And you've been amazing at being like, when I say, oh, I'm just going to do this. You're like, oh, okay. I guess we're going to do that. So, so many things. Um, uh, I, I, I think so many amazing things to come. Um, so just to, to keep you all in the loop of what what you can expect in the future. Our goal is for every Thursday at 2 p.m. Central, we're going to be on live, live conversation. We're going to be bringing on other guests and, and having more conversations about, you know, the current climate and current issues for sure. But we're also going to dive deep into um, more standard topics like, you know, programming models to, um, you know, all the things we talk about, health and safety. I don't know, all these fun, really enticing topics like health and safety. Um, they can and be hearing- fun. <laughs> yeah, they can be fun. And and frankly, just hearing stories of of our peers and our colleagues and and the journeys that they've taken to get to where they are. I always that's my favorite part about doing these interviews. Yeah. It's just like, how did you get that job? Uh, tell me about that experience. And um, those are the, the most exciting. So really excited about what's to come with Inside Chat. The other thing is that we're relaunching the Global Pro Institute. And if you're not familiar with GPI, GPI was sort of our signature program at Inside Study Abroad is for aspiring and current international education, excuse me, education professionals who want to launch and level up their careers in international education. And so it's a um, very intensive 360 professional development experience that introduces people to the field, what they need to understand about the work that we do and all the different tentacles that exist, how the field is structured, how it all fits together, and then how they can fit in that world um, and set themselves apart so that they can be um, top talent when it comes time to apply for jobs, et cetera. So, um, Sam is going to be our head coach and trainer inside that program moving forward, which is so exciting. Um, And uh, we just had a GPI town hall with a lot of our um, graduates of the program this morning. And that was so fun. So um, lots of really exciting things to come for GPI. And one of the things that I will let you all know, it's not going to be secret. I mean, I'm going to be telling other people, but we're also, um, you know, one of the things that Sam and I, when we reconnected a couple months ago, you know, one of the things we started talking about, kind of ranting about too, let's be honest, but we sure. talked about, you know, this, these issues that have been my, like, my topics of, of, of turmoil over the years of, of things I've just been sort of shouting from the rooftops is that as professionals in international education, we are amazing advocates for helping our students, typically undergraduates, right? Go have these experiences abroad, studying abroad internships abroad, all these things that we think are standard issue type of experiences that should be available to people when they want to explore a career field. However, we as an industry, as a field, we have not created those avenues for people to also dip their toe into the international education world. And 
for better, for worse, um, it almost always, if you want to get a taste of international education, you're going to have to go and get a master's degree. That's the only way, honestly, most of the time to get access to internships or practicum experiences, um, or you're going to pay a considerable amount of money to go to a national conference of some kind, which I frankly, I don't think is a great environment for a newbie who knows nothing about the field to sort of right. launch into. Um, and so, you know, for us, one of the things we talked about is there, you know, and I've been telling my friends who do international internships for years now, it's like, you guys need to start doing this for our field. Yeah. We need international internships in international education, or we yeah. just need internships in international education. And when Sam and I started talking about this idea, um, at first I was like, Sam, you need to go do that. <laughs> and then it became like, oh, you know what? This could be something that is really cool um, as part of Inside Study Abroad. And so we're going to be that organization. We're going to be the internship company for international education. And so um, GPI is going to live on as it's always been an online program and cohort experience. Um, but um, participants are also going to have the opportunity to enroll also in um, an internship placement experience as well. Um, and we're already starting to work with organizations and offices, uh, universities to um, find these really great dynamic placements so people can have a tangible um, experiential based work experience in the field and figure out one, do they like it? Do they Two, like it? <laughs> are they any good at it? <laughs> um, and three, if they want to take it to the next level and, and either invest in more education or invest in more professional development and really engage with the field. So uh, we're really excited about it. Our GPI alumni are excited about it. It's going to be great. And of course, we'll um, be sharing more information about that as we as we develop it over the next couple of weeks. And um, we'll be launching that out to the field. So excited for that. Yay. So Sam, I want to do... A quick rapid fire um, few questions. I did not prep you for these you at all. You did not. It's like, we did not talk about this. <laughs> I don't even, I'm just going to come up with them on the top of my head. Um, okay. But yeah, so um, what is, and it, and it doesn't have to be related to international ed, but if it is, sure. awesome too. But what's yeah. a, a nonfiction book that you feel like has been really powerful for you in your career? Oh, Brooke. Oh, Brooke. Um Nonfiction book, powerful in my career. Um, I think the first thing that comes to mind um, was, is really literally um, the last thing I read, which is um, Generation Z or Z, sorry, and the future of work. So I'm mm. quite passionate about practical people, experiential learning. I'm just, I'm just really passionate about that and people actually going out and doing and learning as they do. And so, mm -hmm. um, that was, that was kind of, I would say fundamentally, um, changing for me just because it, 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 it reaffirmed my interest in kind of that mm -hmm. aspect of what I do. Mm -hmm. ah. What was the name of it again? Say it again. I think, okay, so I it's on my <laughs> bookshelf at work, which I don't have access to because of the <laughs> lockdown, um, yeah. but it's it's Generation Z and the future of work, um, but I'll look it up okay. and I'll, I'll give you the link to it. We'll yeah. put it in the show notes for anybody listening to the podcast yeah. recording, um, and I'll have that. You guys will get a recording of this later. Um, and let's see, another question. So if you, everything you know about study abroad now, international education, yeah. Uh, yeah. where would you study abroad? now and why? I love this question. So I, my first study abroad experience was France. I was uh, there for a year. And then as an adult, 
Um, <laughs> I ended up doing obviously my travel um, and then my master's degree, I did two weeks so short term in um, Mexico. Um, and I, I think I would push myself a little bit more. And one of my favorite things I did was work on a State Department program called MEPI. Um, it was Middle East Partnership Initiative, bringing young leaders from um, the Middle East and North Africa um, to um, Portland and doing leadership. And I would go probably to Jordan or yeah. um, that part of the world and just really get completely outside the the Western culture that I was in versus going to oh. Europe. That's what I would do. Yeah, I love that. Um, favorite international event, international education professional event you've ever gone to? Um, well, I'll tell you, it was, I went to a COIL conference in the Netherlands um, a few years back, four years ago. So that's Collaborative Online International Learning. And the reason I really loved it was it, it truly was diverse with the people there that were doing programs. So you didn't just have international ed staff or um, people focused on very specific things. It was faculty and staff and English language programs and so many people mixing, but but working together, right? So you could mm -hmm. have people teaching students English language, but connecting to a group of students in the UK, for example, that are studying abroad. I, I just found it really interesting that they're looking at it in a in a in a different sort of way. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. I feel like you know when you have the opportunity to engage outside of our sometimes our little echo chamber of international 100%. ed i feel like for me you know getting launching companies in completely different industries um you know doing the digital nomad remote thing and interacting and and working with so many tech startups and totally different spaces yes. doing crazy stuff i think for me i think it makes me a better international educator because i feel like um we all need some cross cross training or whatever, cross, cross yeah, collaboration in, in other fields and other industries to better understand. So the, the, not just the, the lay of the land in our field, but how our field, because we're working with students who are going to go out beyond, you know, and, and be, and be, you know, impacting the world in so many ways across industries that I think that, um, that cross-functional understanding, I think is really, really powerful. Um, I just wanted to, um, say hi to y'all in the chat. Cause I know you've been um, saying some things, uh, just to, to address them. So one of these people, I can't see your name, but you've, you've made several comments. I don't know why it's not showing a name for you, but thank you for engaging. Mm. Um, so you said that you're already seeing increase in gap year experience um, yeah, and interest in gap year programs for high school students. I, anecdotally, I totally know um, my niece is like on the <gasps> phone with me constantly being like, I want to do gap year. And I'm like, Kansas kids studying abroad. I love it. Yeah. Uh, or going abroad, period. So I've been helping her try to figure out what's next. Um, uh, and parents also now more open to the concept. Interesting. Yeah, I think so too. And I think, you know, and I think there's been so many op-eds and conversations recently too about, you know, this is about higher ed in general, not just international programs, but, yep. you know, if everything's online, you know, what that, you know, those classic campus experiences, you know, I studied higher education. I had to read Pascarelli, Tanz, 
Terenzini. Oh, now I can't remember their names, <laughs> but like the, the, this big, you know, volume about how college affects students, you know, and had to basically put that in my brain and understand how, what does this four year quote unquote, four year experience, how does it actually yeah. impact, um, young people and, or people I should say. And, uh, yeah. And so how do you, when you remove a lot of the, the, the elements of that experience, um, what, what is the value now? And so I think you're right. Like people are saying like, okay, how do I give my, my parents are saying, how do I give my kid a, a great experience with a much better ROI potentially? Um, sorry. I, through. Yeah, just to say on gap years, I totally, um, didn't mention that, but I do think gap years, um, and those sorts of programs are, are innovating as well. And I think mm -hmm. people should have more value on the experiential education piece. I'm just going to put that, throw that in there. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. Um, Stephanie says she thinks there's going to be an increase in short-term programs next year. I could totally see that happening. F people feel like there's, you know, if they're rolling the dice on, you know, if they're going to have to come home from a program, you know, <laughs> if it's only two weeks or three weeks, uh, maybe it's better opportunity. Um, uh, Sarah says massive increase in virtual internship ops already. Yep. Yeah. Um, Brad says, love that you and inside study Red are back. Oh, Brad, you're the best. Um, <laughs> RJ says, uh, very interested in the internships. Great. RJ stay tuned. There's gonna be more about that. Marty says, sorry, Brooke, but I don't see any change coming from the MA as an entry credential. I think that's a fascinating statement, Marty. Yeah. Um, and it's definitely something we want to, we're going to be talking about more on the podcast moving forward. What I will say is one, I don't, I have no intention of like GPI, for instance, does not change uh, or replace a master's degree. What I think is, is, is negligent on the side of international education as a field is making a $40,000, $50,000 experience, the barrier to entry to even figuring out if this is a field we want to, uh, someone wants to uh, pursue professionally. I think we need internship experiences so that people can say, wow, this is amazing. This is my dream. This is what I want to invest in. And, and now I understand the field enough to figure out what type of grad program I should do, what I should study in that grad program, et cetera. Versus I think a lot of times right now, the lip services, like, you know, we all roll off the same kind of programs like, Oh, go to Leslie, go to SIT, go to Monterey, you know, insert all the names here, um, and go get your master's degree without ever giving people, um, a, a taste, a tip in the, um, a, a, a peek behind the curtain of what it's really like to work in our field versus just participate, um, as a, you know, receiver of the product, if you will. So I agree. I don't think it's going to go away as an entry level thing, but I think we do need to provide that yeah. a gap experience, if you will, um, before that master's degree is, um, uh, pursued. Um, RJ says I Jen by Jean Twang is also a good book. Great. Thank oh, you for yeah. that. Yeah. Um, Jessica asked, how can we best connect with you two? I'll drop our LinkedIn um, profile, um, uh, in there as well. And you can also email me at Brooke at insidestudyabroad.com. You can email Sam at Sam at insidestudyabroad.com. Oh, it's Bazzer. Yay, Bazzer. <laughs> Your name's not on there. So Samantha LaCroix, uh, our old colleague at USA, um, and we call her Baz, Bazzer. So I love that. Um, 
So thank you all so much for being here. Um, I'm really excited to move this forward. And thank you for your patience with our tech issues. Sam, you're amazing for making, she's using all her data right now to make this happen. (laughs) Um, So uh, yeah, so this will be going up on these conversations. We'll go live on the podcast as well. So if you ever miss one, just tune into the podcast, but um, they will be a week later than the live version. So just so you know, for the future and next week, we're, uh, we already are lining up some guests for that. So I'll be announcing those um, on the email list as well. So stay tuned for that. Sam, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Yeah, it's been great. And thank you all for watching. And um, until next time, remember that every day you postpone a dream, you weaken it just a little. So get out there and make some magic happen. Bye.